0: Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the gender libertarian podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page and on my Substack. Well, guys, this this was it. The last week before the world ends, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen next week. But yes, obviously, this is the last episode, the last weekly roundup before Election Day. So yeah, there was a lot to go over over this past week. Um, I didn't do a weekly roundup last week just because my schedule has been kind of crazy. I know I've told you guys about this a couple of times, and this is kind of why I'm also pivoting to writing more. And this is now the time where I tell you guys that if you haven't signed up for my Substack already, you should go do that. It's jenmonroe.substack.com. So yeah, been a little crazy, but I am here now, and we are all here together for however much longer this lasts. (laughs) But Let's go ahead and get into it. And I will start where I always start, which is with the unemployment numbers. And so I've got two weeks worth of data to give you because obviously I didn't do it last week. Um, The week ending on the 17th, we had 787,000 new initial unemployment claims. For the week of the 24th, that did drop down to 751,000. So a little bit of good news there. Um, I had started seeing out and about in brick and mortar retail places, signs out for seasonal employment. So hopefully that will happen. Like I said, I, I normally this happens a little earlier in the year. Maybe retailers were being a little shy about wanting to take on additional labor right now, but I am starting to see the seasonal employment signs for the holiday season. So hopefully that'll provide a little bit of temporary relief. Um, we did get our third quarter numbers out. Um, the economy grew 7.4% over the second quarter so there is growth going on. However, we are still in the negative in comparison to last year's third quarter. Obviously, I think we're still negative 2%, maybe a little 2. Point, I think it was 2.6, 2.7 over this time last year which obviously I mean we 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 lost a lot. In quarter one, in quarter two. (laughs) So there's a long, 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 long way to go. Um, The annual adjusted gains are at 33%, which is phenomenal. But like I said, we did take some heavy, heavy losses in quarter one and quarter two. So we're still not back to where we were, obviously, as you can tell by the unemployment numbers that I tell you every week. But there's some some signs of life, Um, retail, hospitality, tourism, stuff like that still taking a bloodbath obviously because nobody's traveling and retail like I've been saying I'm very curious to see how that's going to pan out this holiday season just because even still when I go out here in Atlanta um I mean the the foot traffic is just not what it used to be it's just it's not even after what four months now of being technically open for business. It's just, it's, it's not where it was. It's not. And so I'm curious to see how exactly that is going to play out. Um, Our overall unemployment numbers nationwide, we are at 7.76 million people on unemployment right now. The problem with that number is it may not accurately reflect how many people are unemployed because now, obviously at this point, you would be, if you were somebody who went on unemployment in, say, March or April, obviously you've aged out of the program. So there is that that fear that there is a lot of people dropping off and there hasn't been anything on the federal level. Um, I'm not quite sure if individual states have done anything to extend unemployment benefits beyond what they did earlier in the year. I mean, that's going to depend on your state, so you might want to look into that. But yeah, we are getting to a point where people are aging out of unemployment at a time of year when it's not a super great time to be aging out of unemployment. Not that it's ever a good time to be doing that. But yeah, some of these industries are just not bouncing back for obvious reasons. I mean, nobody's nobody's traveling. You're not supposed to be traveling. I mean, nobody's, nobody's really going back out into restaurants. Nobody's going out to the mall. It's just, I don't know. This is going to be kind of a rough winter. It looks like we may or may not be getting a second wave of COVID, which means we may or may not be getting a second wave of lockdowns. That seems to be very up in the air right now, especially in places like Texas, where they are having a spike. There seems to be some some debate about what is going to happen there. Um, I have plans to go up to New York City in December. As far as I know, I will still be okay to do that, but given the events of next week, the next month, who the hell knows. I'm I'm still holding on tight to my plans to go to New York City cuz I want to go somewhere this year, but on on that kind of note, um we are starting to see a lot of businesses in preparation for next week's general election starting to board up windows preemptively and I'm not quite sure how to take that. I'm taking this more as The way when you have a business and you know, say, a hurricane is coming, which we had one of those this week too, by the way, in the midst of everything else going on, we had a hurricane. We had, well, actually, I think technically downgraded to a tropical storm by the time it made landfall, but tropical storm slash hurricane Zeta, which was so big that it actually managed to knock out my power and cell service for a whole day in Atlanta. And it made landfall down in, like, Louisiana, so... Just to give you a little bit of perspective there, but I think that the business is boarding up windows and stuff. It's kind of like preparing for a hurricane. Like, you're not quite sure if it's going to hit you, how bad it's going to be, but you take precautions because that's what you do when you own a business. Is there going to be people roaming the streets on Tuesday? Fuck if I know. <laughs> I, I really don't know what the hell is going to happen next week. Um, At this point... Looking at the polling, it looks like Biden is going to win, but who knows? Like, nobody wants to call it right now. Like, everybody is so gun-shy from 2016 to really, like, go out there and say, yeah, Biden's got this. So who the hell knows? I mean, and we're not going to know. Probably we'll make it to next week's weekly roundup and still not know who the next president of the United States is because, like I've been saying, we're not going to know on Tuesday. Like, that's just not even going to be physically possible there are states that don't even start counting their mail-in and absentee ballots until election day. So it's just, it's not even logistically possible. And what's kind of frightening is now you're having this narrative being pushed out from the White House that we, needs to be called on Tuesday. Like, the whatever we're at on Tuesday is the official election. It's like, that's never been how this works. It's, yeah, I mean, you have, like, cable news and newspapers and stuff calling projections, but those are not final results. They've never been final results. So this whole, oh my gosh, yeah, I'll get to that a little later because there's been a lot going on with voting that is quite a bit frightening, but we'll get there in a little while. Um, I want to talk about the tech hearing that happened this week because of the stupid New York Post story and good Lord. Anyway. <laughs> So we had another tech hearing where we had Jack Do- Jack, Dor- Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, and the CEO of Google, whose name I can never pronounce. But basically, this was supposed to be a Section 230 hearing, but it really devolved into more of an antitrust hearing, if anything, and really more just a chance for people like Ted Cruz to yell at Jack Dorsey and ask who the hell elected him, and it's like, um... The, the Board of Investors over at Twitter, that's that's who elected them. That's how that works. But you know how I feel about tech hearings. These things are ridiculous. They're dumb. They're counterproductive. I mean, it's just, it's such a waste of time for everybody involved. And it's one of those where it's like, okay, Congress has time to do this shit, but you ain't got time to write a budget. Like, you don't have time to pass any kind of significant legislature. You don't have time to do your job, but you got time to grandstand and yell at people. Like, really? Really? This is what you waste your time doing? You have other stuff that you could be addressing. But no, no, we got to yell at at tech CEOs again, because apparently uh, that's what gets you views. So an interesting thing that did come out of this, and this is kind of, it, it. this situation has resolved itself, I suppose, for lack of a better way of putting it. But um, Dorsey had said during the tech hearing that the reason why the New York Post was still locked out of their Twitter account was that they would not delete the initial tweet that had the, the link to the original Hunter Biden story in it, which per... Twitter's TOS. And this is how, if you've ever been in this situation, you know how Twitter works. In order to regain access to your account, you have to delete the offending tweet. Well, the argument's been that since the rules changed since the New York Post posted that initial tweet, that Twitter should just kind of let them have their account back. Per their TOS, rule changes were not retroactive. So... If you posted something that was against TOS at the time you posted it, just because the TOS changed later does not mean that all of a sudden it's retroactive and your tweets are fine. So what ended up happening is Twitter did end up unlocking the New York Post account. They do have their account back. They did not have to delete the tweet. What Twitter did was they... And, and I'm, I'm interested to see how this is going to be implemented as a rule change. They said that because that particular tweet and the situation around it specifically caused the rule change to happen, and the rule change was around the hacked materials policy, but since a specific tweet directly created a rule change, that for that tweet, the new rule would be applied retroactively- Whoo Lord, does that set an interesting precedent? And I might end up writing about this later for Substack. So keep an eye out for that because I want to kind of unpack this idea a little more than I want to get into it here. But this idea that Twitter can decide in individual cases to violate their written TOS and make special exemptions for certain people is going to come back and bite them in the ass. I mean, it's just, you, you. once again, once again, you're setting up this this no-win situation where now you're going to be deluged with people saying like, well, you, you've you banned this tweet or you've locked me out of this account for reasons that now are not against TOS. So since you did this for the New York Post, why don't you do it for me and this person and that person? And, and it, it, it's going to be nuts. Like just... For everybody who has said that all they want is for Twitter to just have a clearly defined TOS and stick to it, this isn't that. This is Twitter doing the opposite of that. So like I said, I think I'm going to unpack that a little bit more on the sub stack. But yeah, I just, I mean, the situation is resolved. I mean, the New York Post has their account back and I knew one way or another this was going to get resolved because there was no way the New York Post was going to go into election day not having their Twitter account. I mean... It, th- this standoff was going to end one way or another. Twitter blinked and I don't think this is going to end well for Twitter. So anyway, that's the, the saga of the New York Post Twitter account. These are the things you have to talk about now because it actually does affect policy and it does affect Congress. Like we have a hearing about this. It's like, oh my God. Anyway, the other interesting thing that happened is in the social media sphere this week is that the courts have officially ruled that the Trump administration cannot ban TikTok from the United States. So as it stands right now, TikTok is still free to be TikTok here in the United States. And an an argument that came out of this case, which is really interesting, and again, it sounds stupid that we have to have this conversation, but this could have some pretty wide-ranging implications for other social media platforms the argument was made and accepted by the court that if the federal government banned a TikTok, that those who have built followings around TikTok, those who have amassed huge followings, those who have monetized it, if the platform was to be banned, it would cause them irreparable harm. So that is a very interesting precedent to put forth and have a court accept because this is the argument that I have made And again, I keep promising to write about this. I swear I'm going to do it one of these days. But one of the underlying reasons why people do not actually follow through on their threats to leave Twitter and go to another platform, people who have large followings on Twitter, people who have parlayed their Twitter presence into a career where they get paid money, is because to leave the platform and to start somewhere else and to rebuild that from scratch would be a lot of work. It could possibly be irreparable harm. And so that's an argument that maybe somebody, if somebody who does have, say, 50,000, 100,000, anything above that, followers on, say, Twitter, and they use Twitter as a platform to promote their work that they get paid for, they could make the argument that since I have being denied access to this platform, it is causing me irreparable harm. You have to let me back on. Whether a case like that will ever make it to court, I don't know. But this really sets a very interesting precedent about what, first of all, what the federal government can do as far as actually just banning a social media platform. And it'll be interesting to see if people really pick up on this, this court decision and the arguments made within it to kind of make the argument that, I mean, I've been making for forever on this point, which is that social media platforms should really take a much more hands-off approach to content moderation because that would just be in everybody's best interest. But the, the reputable harm argument could be very, very interesting to someone, like I said, who does use Twitter as a platform to promote their business to somebody who needs... I mean, I, I say needs in air quotes, but really, I mean, for a lot of people, you need access to Twitter to promote your work because that's how you get paid. So, yeah, it will be interesting going forward to see if anything is made of that. But to move on to sadder news, um, this past week, we saw yet another recording of another police-involved shooting. This time in Philadelphia. Um, the victim's name is Walter Wallace, and when you look at the video, and again. My usual caveat, if you want to go look at this video, understand that you're going to be watching a video of somebody being shot and killed. So, I mean, use your own judgment whether you want to watch that. Like I've I've said many times before, I watch these. I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. But in the interest of being able to speak on it, I feel like I need to watch them. But I don't really particularly like watching people get killed. It's not my idea of a good time. But what happened was the police were called out to his home for basically a a mental health incident and Wallace came out of the house and he had a knife and he appeared to be threatening the officers with the knife or at least making threatening motions with the knife towards the officers. And so the officers shot him and and like everything in the whole wide world nowadays, everybody was recording this. Um, His mom, Wallace's mom was out there telling them to not shoot Um, I mean, you had several, several bystanders around and I mean, these things, ones like this are just, it's hard to adjudicate because it's, it's, you do have the situation where the cops knew ahead of time that this was a mental health incident. This wasn't like, like domestic violence or somebody like trying to commit a robbery or something like that. But you do have this person and they have a knife and they're advancing towards you. And so what exactly do you do in that situation if you're a cop? Um, again, we have the conversation about learning how to de-escalate, which, I mean, yes, that's this is something that needs to happen. But of course, everything gets all, all mixed up and lost in people wanting to have emotional reactions. And so, of course, we did have rioting and looting in Philadelphia because this is what happens every time we have a police involved shooting because nobody stops and sits down and thinks about what exactly can we do to prevent these things in the future or have any kind of rational discussion we just go straight to the violence which is not good so um this upcoming week i do believe um Philadelphia PD said that they would be releasing the body cam footage from the incident so at least there's body cam footage I and mean, there's, I, I take, take the small wins when you can get them because so often, so often in these situations, we don't have body cam footage because either the cops aren't required to wear body cams or the body cams were off for some magical reason. So hopefully we'll get a little more information on this and have a better perspective and hopefully maybe have a better conversation around police reform. Although I doubt this conversation is going to happen next week. <laughs> Because all anybody's going to care about is the vote. And so fingers crossed that everything doesn't go completely to shit next week for various and assorted reasons. But we do now have a election spending total for the 2020 election season. Are you ready? It is... Well, I mean, we're and we're still not done. I mean, there's still... Well, I mean, I guess yeah because all the ad buys have to be in by now um 14 billion dollars yes billion with a b and that is of course between the the general election and also the the statewide elections 14 billion dollars spent on this <sighs> i mean i knew i knew there would be just a record amount of money burned through in this election season and so there you go. Now you have it. $14 billion. <laughs> and we learned nothing and we're still going to get a shitty president. That's the thing. People are trying to make the argument over who is going to be better or worse as a president, be it Trump or be it Biden. And Obviously, if you pay any attention online, there's been plenty of people who have written pieces in both directions and people who are libertarian, who have written pieces in both directions, people who have expressed opinions in both directions. My opinion is it's going to suck no matter what. We're fucked no matter what. I deeply worry about the future of Section 230. I deeply worry about the future of free trade. I deeply worry about whether or not we're going to get into... More of a Cold War with China and Russia, because I mean, I mean, I don't know what else you call tariffs right now, but we're still going to have those tariffs because Biden doesn't seem to be particularly keen on getting rid of them. I'm very worried about more government intervention into the market, which you're going to get with either man because both of them have this economic nationalist streak. I mean, it's going to suck. No matter what, it's going to fucking suck for libertarians for the next four years it's like it was in 2016. It's going to suck, but it's going to continue to suck because even more so this year, people have bought into the binary, which I'm still, I don't understand this. Like, I thought maybe this would be the year people would be like finally sick of this shit and like look at these two candidates and be like, there's got to be a different way to do this. Like, there's got to be a better option than one oil senile dude and another old senile dude because they're both old and they're both senile like you can't uh, <laughs> make the mental competency argument however you want they're both like kind of slipping <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of faith in either man to make it through the next four years uh, yeah so not not thrilled here but i mean i guess it'll be what it'll be i mean <laughs> Oh, I'm not looking forward to this. I'm not looking forward to the next two weeks. I'm not looking forward to the next four years. Do better, people. Can we please stop with the binary? Like is, this is this has got to stop. Like this is this is beyond ridiculous at this point. I, I'm I'm just wondering when enough people are gonna be sick of this and be like, you know what? Fuck both these parties. Fuck them both. They both suck. <laughs> maybe, maybe 2024. I, I don't know, but moving on to voting, um, there has been quite a lot of frightening, to put it politely, um, things that are going on, especially around non-traditional voting. Um, we'll start with Harris County, Texas, because this one, at least for right now, has something of a resolution. Um, the Texas GOP was trying to get over a hundred thousand ballots tossed out because they wanted to do a rule change after the start of voting. Um, what was allowed, and the this case had actually gone before the courts, in the Texas Supreme Court, before voting started, which was the idea of doing curbside voting, which people can like go and like hand in their ballots that way. So it was initially allowed. You have these over 100,000 ballots. The Texas GOP wanted to disallow the practice and get those votes thrown out, which, excuse me? You want to get over 100,000 legally cast votes thrown out? And uh, you want me to worry about Democrats doing some bullshit? No. Uh-uh. You don't get to change the rules in the middle of the damn game. And of course, how would these people even know? Like, I just, oh my God. that The fact that they even tried this one, but... As of right now, as of today, uh, the Texas Supreme Court denied their petition to get these votes thrown out. Uh, there is still a case in federal court that I believe will be heard on Monday the 2nd, but the Texas State Supreme Court ruling kind of gives a lot of hope. And again, this is also obviously very up in the air, but the fact that the Texas State Supreme Court said that this practice was fine, it was legal. It's going to be hard I would think for a federal court to overturn the will of the state supreme court not saying it couldn't happen because in the case in the supreme court I believe this one involved Wisconsin's voting uh, Kavanaugh had wrote in the dissent that kind of kind of contra Bush vigor the idea that a federal court could overturn the will of a state court in these matters, which I thought we were doing a federalism. I, I thought I thought we loved federalism. What the fuck? What's what's going on here? So fingers crossed for that. Um, because I mean that would be horrible. I mean, how would how would you even begin to tell all of these people Hey, you need to go cast a provisional vote or you need to go vote in person on Tuesday. Like, I, I, oh my God. Anywho, South Carolina, same kind of situation is happening where the GOP in South Carolina are trying to get ballots tossed because, again, they decided to try to, well, they didn't try to do, they did do a rule change in the middle of active voting. Initially in South Carolina, when you sent in your mail in ballot, you could just send it in just as is your own signature. Then they changed the the rules to say that well, no, you need a witness signature on your ballot too. So now that those new the new rule is in place, which again. How are you going to effectively tell everybody about this new rule change when you've already told them that you can do it this one way and now you got to do it this other way? It creates mass confusion, but they're trying to get those ballots that don't have the witness signature on them thrown out. Even though at the time those ballots were submitted, that was the legal procedure. Like at that moment, that voter was doing what they were legally supposed to do. And so this idea of like changing things in the middle of active voting, like this is, this is absurd. How are you going to change voting rules while voting is going on? Like, you know, that's not okay. <laughs> that should not be okay. That should not be tolerated in any way, shape, or form. And so fingers crossed for South Carolina. We don't have a verdict on that yet. Um, but one more state, Minnesota. What ended up happening here is, again, changing the rules in the middle of an active voting season it was originally decided before the the mail-in voting was allowed in Minnesota that the deadline for getting your ballot into the election office was the 10th. Well, now it's been moved to the 3rd. And so, again, now you have to make sure everybody knows that you have to get your ballot like in here like now. Which, again, once you tell people how to do something and then you change the rules in the middle of the game, it's like, I mean, and this has got to be crazy enough for people. And not everybody follows this stuff the way we follow it. And so if you are operating under the information that you were originally given, you may render your vote invalid through no fault of your own because you thought you were doing what you were supposed to do, but then they changed the rules in the middle of the game. Like, that's absurd. It's just, it's so, oh my God, this is going to be, this election is going to be so contested. It's so going to be contested. This is going to go to the Supreme Court. I mean, at this point, with the amount of fuckery going on with mail-in voting and these kinds of stunts like this that the GOP is trying to pull, there's no way this is not going to be contested. I mean, there just isn't. Unless there is some massive, massive, just like massive blowout victory by one of these guys, which I've still not seen it happen. Still not seeing that happen, this is going to be contested. And even if there is, if it is a situation like in South Carolina where votes get tossed out, or if a federal court does decide to overturn the ruling of the Texas Supreme Court and allow these ballots to be tossed out, it should be challenged. It should absolutely be challenged. That's ridiculous. That's fucking voter disenfranchisement. That's absurd. That's, that's nuts. It should be challenged in a court. But this is... We might make it all the way to Christmas before we know who the president's going to be. Oh, my God. This is going to be the fourth quarter of 2020 is just going to be so bad. It's going to be such a fucking disaster. But again, who knows? Maybe I'll be surprised. Maybe there will be a blowout win. I'm not not seeing it. Um, Most of the polls that I've seen have Biden by somewhere in the 10 point range, like some are low as seven, some are a little higher than 10, but. Somewhere in that, that range. So not going to be a blowout, I don't think. I mean, and, and like I said, any state, any any state where it is possibly close and can possibly be contested, one of these two candidates is going to contest it. I mean, and I, I put this on Biden's camp too, because I mean, I, I, I saw a tweet that said that Biden's camp already has like thousands of lawyers in Florida which I don't think Florida is even going to be the problem this year. But yeah, and, and you already know. I mean, Trump's pretty much already said that he'll he'll contest this all the way to the Supreme Court. That was kind of the whole point of getting Barrett onto the Supreme Court, which, by the way, that did happen this past week. She was officially confirmed. She is officially a justice and is now officially hearing cases. So we have nine people on the Supreme Court. We. <laughs> Like I said, I don't think having only eight people would have made a difference in any case that would have came before them because they're not going to do a split decision on a general election. That would be just beyond the pale insane. So what's going to happen this in this next week? I don't know. It's going to be nuts. We're not going to have a winner on Tuesday. So just go to bed at a normal time on Tuesday. Don't sweat it. Know that we're going to be kind of in it for the long haul for a little while here and try to have some faith in the process, even though despite everything that I just said, try to at least breathe and trust that this is going to work out. Hopefully, fingers crossed. (laughs) This is so, this is, this is crazy. This is really like crazy times to be living in to, to know that like no matter what happens, There's going to be a segment of people who are not going to accept the results of this election ever, like ever, ever. Like Hillary Clinton is still out here talking about how she got the election stolen from her in 2016. Like there's going to be a group of people that are not going to accept this ever. And that's a little frightening. Like, I don't really know where you go from there. I mean, I guess depending on how many people decide that they don't accept the results of the election, like I don't. I don't know. Uh, It doesn't say anything good. I will say that. And I'm not sure how you go forward as a country from there if you have a large group of people who just refuse to accept the results of an election, which, by the way, I don't think Trump will be in that group of people if he does lose. Like, I've seen so many pieces about, oh, well, what if Trump refuses to leave the White House? Or what if Trump stages a coup? Like, Trump's not going to do any of that. Trump's going to throw himself a pity party if he loses. And then leave. Because he's not going to, like, subject himself to the indignity of being thrown out of the White House. Which is what would happen. He's not going to go through that. He's just going to be, oh, look at me. I don't have old Donald Trump to kick around anymore. I guess I'll just go home to Fifth Avenue with my wife. And go live in my penthouse. And go be on TV a whole bunch. And still call the Fox News and still hold rallies and still give speeches and still do all the fun parts of being a president that I like doing without having to do all the crappy parts that I didn't really like doing anyway. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, I will go ahead and wrap this up. If you did make it this far, thank you for listening. And yeah, we'll see what next week brings. Maybe I'm wrong and there'll just be a massive, massive landslide, and we'll know on Tuesday, and everything will be a-okay. I'm not holding my breath, though. So, as always, take care, and I'll see you next time.